Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the West Side Fairy Tales Behind the Story, uh, which is really the Behind the Season episode um, for for June, or actually for July. My bad. This is a this is July now. June is over, uh, and so is so is season three of the podcast. For those of you who are new here, uh, the Behind the Story episodes are typically a uh, a patron only experience, but I am spreading it to the main feed just this one time. Uh, and maybe uh, it's a small possibility again next year. Um, I'll be doing it again. If you're if you're listening to this on Patreon, you guys are getting it on the normal Monday immediately following the release of the month's story. Um, and if you're if you're listening to this on the main feed, it'll be Friday following that, or you know, just any other time in the, in the history of mankind following uh, <laughs> July eighth, um, because things never really go away on the internet. So we've been told. Um, man. So what a what a what a year. It's it's been a crazy ride. It really has. I know um if you're if you're jumping into this right off of the last episode I released, you probably just heard me say that a bunch, but uh it it remains true. It is by far one of the craziest uh years of my life. Um from from July to July, uh 2018 to 2019, I I I signed Paperwork on a house. I proposed to my now fiance, my then girlfriend of uh, a little over three and a quarter years, um, Sam, who who agreed to marry me. That's why she's my fiance now. Thankfully, uh, I did that just like a couple months after that. Uh, I got hired by Incongruity to work on season one of Monstro, which is why uh, more than a few of you are here with the podcast now. Um, the podcast finally caught on, uh, and we're we're growing independently of 
outside forces, small. We had a very big boost at the beginning. It was kind of a, a come to God moment um, in March and something when uh, when my initial boost from being you know mentioned by uh, yeah, I guess you would say legendary figure that is Mike Boudet. Um, whether you guys love him or hate him, uh, if he talks about your podcast, you know, 2.5 million some odd fucking people will hear him, which is <laughs> absurd numbers. Oh, man, it's crazy how much people think that, like, all that controversy and shit, like, really, really put a pinch on him. <laughs> Fuck it. Dude, that's like saying blowing a, a chunk out of the side of a mountain with a stick of dynamite ruined a mountain. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, the change was possibly indelible, but that motherfucker is still there, just all up in the horizon. We're not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the West Side Fairy Tales. So, um, really just uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks for, for helping me get through all this. I mean, we've got advertising now, sponsors, T-shirts, I assure you all, and uh, various other merch are going to be coming soon. Um regardless of the current plans or adjusted plans I might have to make within the next week or so. Um, it, it, I, if I don't have a shirt store online by the beginning of next season, I will seriously, I will cut my foot off and like offer it to you guys because I've been promising it since fucking since last December and I haven't delivered on it. And I'm really, really, really mad about that. Um, because I, I don't like, I don't like saying I'm going to do something and then not doing it. Uh, and I was, I I came up in the Marines, like that's really where I became an adult and that is hammered home in your head so hard. If you tell someone you're going to do something, you do it. There's no, there's no if, ands, maybes, buts about it. You hit your goddamn deadlines. And then I worked in fucking, and then I worked in, in newspapers too, which is the same thing. That's why I, I've promised myself and I have, I'm pretty sure except in one case, the entirety of this podcast and that was launching the whore and lit club, um, Back in was it May? It might have been, might have been April. Uh, I missed the first horror and lit club episode launch, which still like haunts me. But I haven't missed a I haven't missed a single um, regular episode date since I started, uh, and I'm really proud of myself for that. And I I, I want to make sure that you guys know that I'll always have that here. I know that there's a long distance between episodes. It it has to happen. It's not like it's not feasibly possible for me to put out content of this quality any faster without making sacrifices in other areas. So like I could put out an episode every week, but that episode would be 2000 words crunched down into the stories. So it'd be like a 10 to 15 minute episode every week for, for the same story. You know what I'm saying? So like every story would be broken up into like four parts, which I mean, I guess it could work. Um, that would still probably be something around the lines of like 15 to 20 minutes, maybe like one commercial in the middle of it. I'd be selling advertising. I'd actually probably make more money that way, but I don't, I don't like getting stories like that. So like, I won't do that because ultimately like this stuff's going to last. Like I get paid for an advertisement once, but the fucking podcast stays up forever. Like I, I would hate, I would hate for people to be getting bugged by me putting in like too many ads or not having enough parts in a story. It, it weird, stupid shit that would bug me. I would hate for them to be getting bothered by that. If they pick this podcast up seven or eight years down the line, uh, whether it's still running then or not, I mean, it's still going to be there. You know what I mean? You only get one chance, uh, often to make 
you know, your first and last impression. And really it is a last impression in, in the art world because, uh, <laughs> you know, people, people if, if you get a chance to get someone to get all the way through your stuff, that's usually how they're going to feel about you for the rest of your career. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I can't see Stephen King really picking up the same quantity of new readers now as he may have in the 80s. It was in the 80s and 90s, man. He was putting out literally, like, legendary story after legendary story. His shit was fucking amazing. I mean, I can't remember the exact, but, like, in a 10-year period, he put out fucking Cujo, It, The Stand, a bunch of the short story things that I love. I mean, like, Nightmare and Dreamscapes and stuff, all of that. Uh, I think Gunslinger came out, Carrie came out, all all from like, you know, like the early 70s-ish through like the late 80s, so like 20 years even. And then it's, that's most of the catalog that people know him for, Shining, Firestarter, all that stuff. And then he kind of got sober and he got hit by that fucking car in 99. And that was pretty much it. It was a van. Um, and that, that kind of changed things for Steve. And then he, he sort of became a slightly different kind of author, which I mean, that's a major, that's a major thing. Uh, serious reconstructive surgery months where a, a man that makes his bones off of writing and legitimately enjoys it is just, is just locked up in a hospital bed or, uh, you know, his, his sick bed, so to say. And he couldn't, he was actually in so much pain. He couldn't sit down and write, which I mean, it, it probably just cut the last laugh, like half inch off of his soul, but he put out a bunch of incredible stuff. But then after, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, from the 2000s on up, his, his work has been pretty hit or miss. Um, there's been a lot of stuff where I think it's just like, ah, you know, I told him I'd put something out, so fuck it. And don't, don't like think that i'm just dogging stephen king like i'm actually an avid fan of his like i'm a freakishly big fan and if you've ever read bag of bones i think it is which is the one where it's uh on the on the uh the guy he's an author his wife dies she has a brain aneurysm he was like injured it was very a very similar story to stephen king where he was in a situation where he didn't want to write and so he was going into his back catalog and picking, picking out books that he didn't like very much and sending those up to his publisher. And because he was already a well-established author, they kept selling. So I think that might have been a very similar space for Steve because you got to really understand, I know this has nothing to do with the podcast to hand, but I love this stuff. you got to understand that he's getting hit like two ways by this truck, right? First off, at the time, he's a recovered addict. Um, if you don't know this about Stephen King, he had a serious like full-on substance abuse problem where you can't even like nail it down to one thing he was doing like cocaine and shit i think in the 80s 90s area um but the dude was like drinking listerine and shit just to get a buzz and you know tons of beer and all that stuff too which you know it's it's a pretty common thing for anybody in the creative field to have like some mild substance attraction issues at least but he got clean um and he this isn't like secret details or anything he goes over all of this on on in on writing which is a like seminal work of nonfiction by him like literally everybody should read it i've been to a ton of college courses and heard a million people talk about the art of the craft and fuck if on writing isn't one of the most just like on the point (laughs) like no this is pretty much how you write a book and it's 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 right the entire time uh 
But um, yeah, he talks about that stuff and getting clean. And so he's he's clean now. And I, I don't know what kind of sobriety stuff he went through. Um, I can't really remember too hard. I don't know if he actually went full on uh, uh, the little big book AA kind of thing. But if he was an addict and he was he went sober after that, getting hit by a fucking car and being put into serious ICU level shit, he might have had to come off of being sober to go on morphine and stuff to help with the pain or you know other side of that coin he didn't use any of that kind of stuff and he just basically gritted his teeth through the experience and i I mean i can see that just graying the rest of your hair out that's just a horrible horrible way to go through but i think that whole long explanation and stephen king is just i i don't think that people picking up his books if you were a new to stephen king guy and you just picked up something like revival you might not get the same like fuck I need to read everything that this guy has ever written bug that I got myself when I picked up uh, Firestarter, which I'm, I'm pretty sure it was it was Firestarter was the first one of his books that I actually read start to finish. It was because I'd seen the terrible movie. Um, I don't know if it's really terrible, but everything that I can remember about the movie is terrible. Um, that came out in, I, I think, the early 90s, late 80s. It has that aesthetic, at least. Um that's like the era when I was born, by the way. I would have read this book in uh, the late 90s. I was born in 87, so my, my memory, obviously, of the time between I was born and six years old is a touch foggy. I can't remember all the movies that came out then. But um, Stephen King, uh, yeah, he, he they put out a, a Firestarter book and it was or movie all based on Firestarter, and it's just like a really – you can tell – that whoever sold the movie, when I think of the things that I can remember about it, was like, basically, get this, Firestarter is Carrie meets Children of the Corn. And like some coked out studio exec was like, fuck, yes. Because <laughs> whenever the little girl uses her powers, you kind of, it's like, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure I do, it, it zooms up on her face and she's got like a little flashy eye thing. And then like, It'll cut to a wide shot and like a car will burst in fire. And there's always some adult going, oh, <laughs> it's fucking with his gun out. It's, it's, go watch it for real. Go, go watch that shit because it's fucking amazing. Like, I would never tell you not to. Even the worst Stephen King adaptations are a fucking blast because the source material is usually so good that, uh, that even a bad adaptation still has like a little bit of soul to it. That it's it just, it's a fucking, it, it's just a, a, a blast. Um, but I, I watched that when I was a kid on like the sci-fi channel. So this would have been like when I was like at least 10, I think. Uh, and we finally got cable at the house, maybe 12. Um, and heavily edited, of course. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then like at the end, it's like based on the book by Stephen King. And I was like, that's the guy that nobody will let me read his books because I'm I'm fucking 10. Which is <laughs> a fair argument. Um when I was younger than 10 years old, uh substantially I, I had to, I had the reading bug ever since I was a, like ever since I could read, really. Um and when I was substantially younger than 10 years old, I found my first Stephen King book, which was The Stand, sitting on my my aunt's dresser in her in her house in Delhi, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um the Delhi neighborhood. I'm not gonna ever call it the Delhi neighborhood. It's in fucking Delhi. <laughs> uh anybody that's listening to the podcast, if you're from Cincinnati, it's in fucking Delhi. At least it's not in Price Hill. 
I, I digress. Was, they had a very nice house. Um, and uh, it was sitting up there, and it was uh, this old picture of a straw man fighting. Everybody that's on the Patreon's heard me told this story like a million times, but I don't care because I like it. Um, and it was these two people having a sword fight on the front, and one of them was like a, like a scarecrow with a big, long beak, and the other one was like a little knight guy. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a fantasy book, just like them Hobbit stories I love so much. And uh, it was not the case. <laughs> I picked it up, and I didn't so much as glance over the back cover before it got taken away from me. Uh, they found like, hey, you're not allowed to have that. <laughs> it got taken out of my hand like a brick of radioactive graphite. Just, <laughs> whoa, young man. Um, and then on the, the other one I ran into was Christine. I read I, like I read like a chunk of it when I was a little older and it's had so many bad words on the first like page and a half that I didn't even bother. As I recall the the Christine novel which I I've, I've never read actually. I never went back and read it. Uh I don't know why. I think it's because Stephen King has too many too many haunted car books and stories. <laughs> uh seriously from a Buick 8 um and then there's another one where there's a car in a parking lot off the side of the highway that's actually a monster that looks like a car that eats people that get close to it. Then there's a fucking maximum overdrive where all the cars come alive and eat people. Um, it's probably like three more I forgot about. But Christine was obviously the original, and, and the, the, the book starts out, as I recall, because I only read the first few pages, in the garage of the uh, the kind of skeezy guy that sells the kid the car in the first place, and it's just like he had a shit eating grin. And they, they, they use the word like shit like three times. And I was like, oh, I can't read this. I put it down. <laughs> and also, I had never heard the phrase shit eating before in my life, and it was so gross to me that <laughs> I was like, ugh, and I was like touching my teeth, like uh, well, you would eat poop and then smile. Who is this animal? And I mean, like, I guess that's the visceral reaction that shit-eating grin is supposed to get from you. It's almost why I wish people didn't curse as much anymore, so that when you did hear a good curse like that, you'd be like, oh, fuck, no, gross. But, hey, we, we live in the times. But like I said, I have a really strong uh, connection to those books, and I don't know if, it, if, if the same thing would be, uh, would be true of some of his, his later work. Um, like Cell, Cell is such a, it's so banal. Um, it, it cell made me feel like Stephen King got bored writing it halfway through. Revival was awesome until like mm, a chunk of the end. Revival would have been better with no super element, natural elements, or like minimal at all. I, I don't know if you guys have read it, and I won't ruin it for you, but um, as a book written by an older man that covers basically the the, the intertwining years between like. 1969 and 2019-ish, like it's that sort of length of, of of space. It's fucking awesome. It's like a great period piece, and it does, excuse me, it does a good job of like really putting you back in the, in the shoes of of you know, like being a little Methodist kid in some podunk town in uh in Maine, and then it, it kind of goes off the rails in the not even the third act, but like the last third of the third act the, the 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 true climax to the point where i was like eh i guess uh a, a contextualist con con non-contextual spoiler would be i'm not scared of ants <laughs> i don't know who is that's that's all i'm gonna say about that 
Um, but it would be unfortunate for people to run into that. And that's the the kind of the last impression that you might get because you'd be like, ah, oh, man, Stephen King, I heard he is good, but blah, blah, blah. But fortunately, he's so fucking famous that there's no way that someone's going to hear that and be like, what did you read? And you'll be like, uh, I read the first two chapters of Doctor Sleep and I didn't get it. And they'd be like, fucking read The Shining. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, please, people, stop recommending it as a first Stephen King book. Um, I understand that it's popular right now and everybody who's a huge Stephen King fan has read it, but it's fucking 2,400 pages long. <laughs> There's like eight people I've talked to in the past like year or so because of the podcast. They're like, I tried to get into Stephen King, which, by the way, is the most insane sentence to me at all. Like most people I know that are like have been reading him as long as I have, which is insane, are like, I have gotten over Stephen King. And you're like, oh, OK, so when you're one of the cool kids now talking about how he maybe isn't that great, even though you're secretly jealous about how fucking awesome he is. I'm like, Yes, I am. But. <laughs> But like I just couldn't get into it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what did you read? And they're like, oh, I, I tried to read it. It's the, the the book that that movie's based on. Like, first off, you didn't have to explain that. I know that fact. <laughs> Second, please don't try to start with it. It's the longest book on earth. I, I remember it took me like four or five months to read it during high school. And it was like the only thing I was reading. It took fucking forever. Oh, but it's good. But it's real weird. I would not I would not say it's an intro to Stephen King book. It's not even a good intro to horror book because you kind of have to have a lot of like established stuff to really get what's going on half the time. No, who is if you weren't if you aren't alive in like the 1960s and 70s, you need so much context to understand like some of what's going on there uh, these days because so much of that shit just doesn't exist anymore. I, I could be completely speaking out of my ass. It has been a long time since I read it, but I digress anyway. With my podcast, I really want to be, um, I really want to make sure that, you know, when people pick this up a few years later, that it's something that they can say, oh, you know, like he's not going to fucking, I, I, like, I'm not going to be around to maybe even talk about it. I, I'm, I might be dead. I might be dead in like four years, but it'd be cool for people to pick up the podcast and be able to like kind of just get into it, which is what I was, what I was trying to say before my, my, my 15 minute diversion onto Stephen King. But, um, the story, the story for this month is the the very very simple, uh, ice and alley walking, which is about a guy who's. And if you haven't if you haven't read the story, if you guys are if you're just picking this up, this is a non-canon, non-story episode. Um, and it's going to be full of spoilers. So if you haven't listened to the everything, don't listen to it. <laughs> um, go and go and listen to the actual podcast. This is just bonus material. But anyway. Um, Ice and Alley Walking takes place in our, our far-flung future, um, which a, a few other stories so far have taken place there. Uh, the Green Man, most notably, is the one that I can always, I can always remember. And um, also the first story of this season, Quarterly Review. Although it's not necessarily the exact same place, it is roughly the same era. Although that's not necessarily very important to people. See, do, 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 urge without eulogy. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Camp on Gable Street. So yeah, this is, this is one of the few, um, f- the few stories that are set in this era right now, but we're going to be seeing a lot more of it. Um, and I won't get too, too much into what's going in, but it is the future, uh, in a very definitive sense, as in, um, I won't tell you the exact amount of time between per se then and now, but, uh, if you're one years old right now, maybe, (laughs) maybe scientific advancements will allow you to die in this era at the very, very cusp of it. But, uh, otherwise it's not something that any, any of us necessarily have to have to worry about. Um, but if you like kids and you worry about kids growing up in a shithole, um, maybe you should be more worried. Um, and, uh, there, there's, there's a very, a very strong sense that human beings don't really do much, uh, anymore in this place that you, you, you sort of have a cast and you have an occupation and that that's, that's the summary of your existence, which is kind of a reoccurring theme in my, my stories is that that is a bad way to be. Um, it, it's a, a thing that worries me a lot sometimes because I, I, I grew up in a pretty straight laced household, all things considered. I mean, we weren't like, we were pretty hillbilly about shit, but you know, my, my, my parents weren't much for, for fucking around with nonsense. You get what I'm saying? And so some of the expectations that were kind of laid out for me, or at least that were laid out for my, my peer group, um, were to, to play, to play things straight edged, you know, very clean, very straightforward, straight laced, I guess is what I'm actually trying to say. Um, you know, uh, grow up, get married, get a good job, 
don't be weird, cut your grass, and die with all your affairs in order. And in between that, enjoy yourself to some degree, um, doing nothing that would really weird people out too much. You can have one of those kinky hobbies like uh, aircraft making or train building, <laughs> really just a lot of yard work and, 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 and backyard crafts kind of stuff. Not like, uh, you know, that was mandated. Like, you know, my dad was like, sit, do this shit. He's really just, my dad came from super poor. So, uh, I mean, like, literally pouring water into milk to cut it out to, like, have something to drink kind of fucking broke. And then the people before him, his 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 parents and their parents are even, like, crazy more impoverished. Um, bus drivers and folks that shot guns upstairs to get the kids, <laughs> get the kids to go to bed. It's one of my favorite stories. We have uh, our, our family kind of divided um, <clears throat> around my uh, my parents' uh, parents kind of thing, like my grandparents' family. Uh, sort of like our our family tree branched in like two different directions, and there's like the the better off, uh, more frou frou bell clan, and then there's 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 my folk, <laughs> and um, the uh, uh, the other guys they they. They pretend like some of the stories that uh, that happened around our family like never did. Uh, so, one of them was my my grandpa's dad was uh, as much of a drinker as I suppose any Irish German immigrant would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? In Cincinnati, circa God, it would have been probably the twenties, thirties. Um. And the kids, uh, Catholic family, so there's probably somewhere between seven, six, and nine of them, really, when this story's going on, uh, causing a ruckus up the stairs. And the staircase, if you've ever been in Cincinnati, you've seen this house where you walk in, and then there's like, there's a little railing up on the side, there's like a coat rack, and then you go, the stairs go up to a landing, a very short land, small, like, four by four foot landing and then up another three stairs into the upstairs room. And they made their bedroom on the, on the, the first floor or maybe they, they might've actually made their bedroom up on the second floor. I can't remember, but he would be downstairs drinking and the kids would be making too much goddamn noise. And he'd be like, shut the hell up up there. And they'd be, they wouldn't be able to hear him. So he'd, he'd take out a, a, I would assume some sort of like probably a 1911 type pistol, that's always what I think in my head. I don't really don't know what kind of gun it was. And he would aim it up the stairs towards the, the hook in the landing where there was no there was no rooms. And, you know, these are old brick facade, German-made buildings. The bullet's not going to go out of the house. Uh, and he just fucking shoot it a few times. And pow, pow, pow. And the bullets would hit the, hit the wall and the, the house would resound with the sound of gunfire and the kids would be quiet. And they lived in a neighborhood where you could do this with any sort of regularity and uh and the cops would not come and visit <laughs> and apparently um they sold that house something like 15 20 years ago and like the one side of my family is like that never happened that's ridiculous we didn't live in price hill we lived in covedale that's <laughs> if you if you're from cincinnati and you get that reference you know exactly where i grew up <laughs> but um so they they were selling that house some like twenty years ago, and they went up and they were checking it, and they'd heard the members of my family had uh, had heard the stories, and they went to the landing and they rapped on the wall real hard, and like half of the little plaster plugs that they'd put up to cover up the bullet holes fell out. 
<laughs> which is for our west side of Cincinnati. Oh, my God. That's what I named the podcast after, by the way. West side. Uh, I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati, a place no one knows or cares about, but it's near and dear to my heart. It's the, the, the home place of people that will tell you Skyline Chili is good, even though they fucking know it's not. They know it's not. But that's where I'm from. Um, I don't even know why I'm telling that story. So <laughs> we started off with Quarterly Review, which takes place in the future. And um, that uh, that sort of, um, oh, yeah, that's the kind of mentality, whatever. But um, so it, it's, it's a place where people sort of just work themselves to death uh, because they sort of have this overarching belief that, you know, your group that you fit in defines you more than you, which is um, a sort of antithetical thing to the way that I, I live my life. Even Um, I've been a weird fuck since I was born. (laughs) I, I never fit in anywhere and still don't. That's why I'm creating my own little podcast and a little whore and lit club so I can find my other friends. Welcome. (laughs) Uh, other than that, I, I've picked up a few people on the way and they kind of come and go from my life. But seriously, it, it scares me how much um, we as a society, uh, and, and I really think of it as a more of an international problem because there's the West or whatever. And I guess that's technically what I'm a part of, the uh, the Occident. And then there's just not the West. There is no other mindset. I, I understand like people say that there's also the East and Eastern medicine and Eastern philosophy and shit, but it, it fucking, it so that, that phrase so does not encompass anything, but like three different cultures for like five different reasons uh, that it's functionally worthless to me. But the West is fairly homogenized and it seems like that's sort of just a natural progression to where, um, to where society goes once it starts becoming a little successful. Capitalist systems tend to sort of naturally develop. Um, I, I always think of market forces as being functionally something that's almost like a force of nature, you know? Uh, I mean, it on a, on a macro or microcosmic scale, either way, it's very, very similar to fluid dynamics in that high-pressure systems want to drain into lower-pressure systems and, and vice versa, you know, electron exchange. It all sort of it all sort of kind of works the same supply and demand and where you have supply and demand, that's where the force goes. And then what you apply to the force to change and alter it in your own benefit is, you know, where the, the system quote unquote sort of takes hold for real. Uh, And I worry sometimes that we are creating a society, even when we think we're not, that's so based upon uh, group grouping and group mentality that individual individuality is uh, superfluous to to existence. You can see it in online conversations right now where people say you wouldn't know about X because you are Y, or you wouldn't know about Y because you're Z, or you wouldn't know about Y or Z because you are T. And so these these things like this pop up, but it, it, it makes no actual acknowledgement of the individual person and their and their own struggles and stuff to the point where I've seen people have their actual personality abraded by a group that they think supports them. And it's like, dude, you were your own person, but now you're not because, you know, you got really comfortable nestling in with these other non-entities. These people don't think for themselves. The group mentality, these sort of agreed upon presupposed notions are are what makes you 
you now instead of you being you. And I, I don't know if that quite makes sense, but that, that's one of those things that's like uh, like a true horror to me. And it it's it gets deep, gets deep in the bones. And so that's kind of what quarterly review and um, ice and alley walking are, are two sides of that coin. And they meet at the end of, of uh, ice and alley walking with Junichiro. I think it's, yeah, Junichiro, um, who is the Junichiro Sato. He is the uh, main character of Quarterly Review, um, who by the end is a person that's so enslaved by his uh, sort of notions of, of fitting in and stuff that he, he sublimates his own existence in order to become a thing that will actually achieve these desires, which are in a essence actually alien from what he wants if we look back to um quarterly review uh there's a scene where he thinks of himself as the poet he always wanted to be he always wanted to be a poet in his mind but he put it away because you know his dad family whatever it was society in general kind of made it implicitly understood the poets don't make money people that make money make money and people that make money are important they're worth having around no one needs more poets it's his dad actually says that um which even if that's true i mean art is inherently superfluous but it's a bad argument because there's there's so many people that have hobbies that are artistic like and that's something I really want people to understand, especially coming into my stories and stuff, is that you, you don't have to separate these things entirely. You can be, you can work at a fucking gas station and just hate your life, but like come home and play fucking guitar or do just fucking buy 10 cents worth of drumsticks at the store and then accumulate buckets from the trash and teach yourself how to drum. Like that's all you need. You don't need a drum set to drum. It, that's it's the most basic fucking instrument just find like three surfaces that are relatively hard and have s- different sounds and then hit them in rhythm and you can teach yourself how to drum and then you'll have that or or write or do do painting scribble put things together model shit like just do anything to like express yourself because if you stop doing that then your yourself will go away like we've all talked to people um and this is the the sort of non-fantasy version of what Janichiro becomes. We've all talked to people that have nothing to talk about. Like you've you've run into people at parties and their eyes glaze over when they're in a conversation, not because they're bored, but because there is nothing to them. They don't have anything to talk about. Like, are you into sports? Well, you know, I, I, I like the I like the teams, and they can kind of just rattle off like three or four things, but they don't love sports. They just watch football games because they can turn their brain off for like five seconds and then they can sort of repeat the sports news things like i know people that love sports they'll tell you like oh man it is insane how perfect this dude's form is throwing crossbody 20 fucking yards under pressure and in, in the pocket like he's he's a madman i i i i assembled that like the same way that kids play hopscotch on stones over a river. <laughs> it's so precarious, but I put that sports metaphor together and I think it actually worked. Um, <laughs> oh, wet footing. But, um, you know, the, there's people that don't, they don't get that. They don't grasp the beauty of it. They just, they just discuss it. You, you can have, there's in other ways, like don't think that sports are dumb necessarily. Uh, I, I've heard people that 
proclaim to like books and shit and they don't know anything about books they they don't they like you can tell that they have a sparks notes understanding of shit like they'll just show up one day and like oh yeah i read through i read through the uh what do you call them the george r R. martin song of ice and fire books like really we we were talking about this like three weeks ago and you've read all five of the ones that are out right now and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but how? <laughs> what the fuck? And if it's somebody that loves reading, then they'll instantly, you'll know, because they'll be like, man, dude, can you believe this and this? I cannot believe how different this is than the story. Jesus, like, I won't even get started on, on George R. R. Martin's fucking opus. That is a song of ice and fire. That is the most knotted, twisted up narrative on earth. I love every second of it. I, I I can't recommend it enough while also putting in the caveat that he's he might not ever finish it. He's a infirm older gentleman of a of a substantial body size, and uh he doesn't write quick. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh every time I thought he was gonna release a new book, he didn't. But anyway, 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 um, the, the flip side of quarterly review is ice and alley walking where instead of, and it's, I, I, I parallel the, the people fairly tightly, not even knowing I did it in certain places, but they both work in sort of like numbers and you never really see what they do, um, for a job. Uh, the, the second character say Derek is his actual name cause it is. Um, he just says, I don't even want to talk about what I do. I work in numbers and Jinichiro who works hard as shit in an, an arithmetic based sort of field has no passion for it. Uh, but, but, but puts all of his life's energy into it, but it's still, it's something that he never really talks about. It's impossible to talk to people who are in an occupation of any sort that enjoy it. And you won't, they won't just start rattling rattling off uh, facts about it they love it people I, I as a journalist i have talked to people that are passionate about just the most crazy shit to the point where they can make you passionate about it i never cared that much about building zoning until i ended up covering a bunch of building zoning stories when i was in williston north dakota and it is fucking crazy to the point where i'm walking around down town in certain areas right now and i'm like dude their mixed use development uh in this region is unreal but they really they really need to focus on their public transportation grid because this entire section is just completely underutilized and it's really weird that this is this close to industrial because uh we're, we're gonna end up like getting way too too side by side and and, and these zones aren't gonna mix soon enough and these people aren't gonna have anywhere to go and this and that <laughs> And anyone that's in zoning is going to be like, nice try there, bud. But uh, this is how you should actually have that conversation. But it, it's it's cool. And they're super passionate about it. As a character, even writing Janichiro, uh, if he was even the slightest bit passionate about his work, that would show. But he wasn't passionate about that. What his passion was, what his obsession was, was success. Without really any regards to the means by which he achieved it which is kind of the division that I have in my mind behind these two concepts that I went into much more deep, deeply in, in Toda Americana, which is um, uh, the stained and the, 
uplifting. I can't remember. Hold on a second. But the the second version's rarely, rarely ever talked about. But um, basically, you can you can either be invigorated. You can either invigorate yourself through your through your uh, your passions, or you can sort of stain yourself. You know what I mean? Unhealthy things will do that to you. Uh, even if it's something that that seems beneficial, it can still ruin you. Uh, like the difference between you know giving yourself a lot of uh, well-deserved and well-earned self-esteem by going out and and running a few times a week and watching what you eat and seeing the results of of that hard work and that that sacrifice being played out on your body. It's wonderful. You can get up, it's easier to breathe, it's easier to move and and it feels good. But the bad side of that would be working out to excess and not understanding the benefits that you're getting and giving yourself like body dysmorphia um, by just being way too over obsessed about, about small things to the point where you, you develop an, an eating disorder of some sort and you, you're working out to the point where you're, you're causing yourself more injuries than gains. That would be bad. So those are the two sides of the coin. Um, and in Toda Americana, you sort of see, excuse me, you sort of see um, a few people that end up uh, on the stained side of things instead of the uplifted and invigorated. Um, but even even on that side, you know, uh, there's always the risk of sublimation where your pursuits become greater than you. Although, um, and and you as a as a person get sort of dissolved into the identity of what you create, which, in in all honesty, is kind of a an enviable end to a lot of a lot of uh pursuits. I, I don't think Leonardo da Vinci would be extraordinarily upset the, uh, by his legacy where people are like, "Well, I don't know almost anything really about Leonardo da Vinci." The vast majority of people don't, but they know his name and they know Mona Lisa and they know inventions and uh they know like he's was good at dissections and stuff, maybe. And he did sketches. That's kind of a cool legacy to leave behind, especially like 600 years after you're dead. Because you go into any graveyard in America and you're not going to be able to tell me what the fuck most of the people underneath those headstones did. But hopefully, whatever they are and whatever they were, everything outside of that graveyard, the city that surrounds it, um, was uplifted societally by their existence. You know what I mean? Instead of, instead of stained by it. Um, and so the the the... the on the small level, you see how that sort of affects the individual, but at the higher hive mind of society, the same thing exists. Whether you become a society that's obsessed with your your own passions, obsessed with the passions, or instead, you know, interested in them, actually like going at them. The difference between loving a child as a as a parent and loving a child as a pedophile obviously the same level of feeling is being enacted but in one way it's completely pure and in the other way it's horrifically disgusting but it's still the same sort of thing kind of hard to get into but that is the dichotomy really between quarterly review and uh and ice and alley walking and in the end um both of them end up not dead really but uh both main characters end up sort of absorbed 
into what their passion was. And uh, for Genichiro, really what his passion was was <laughs> to have power over people and to be feared and respected, which as a thing that he is now is, is very much the case, uh, especially the more you know about him and his ilk, I guess I'll say, but I won't get too much into that more than to say uh, to study up on any mention I made of Zogroth, which is one of the, the five gods of the West Side Fairy Tales universe. Anybody that's, anybody that's never heard one of these behind the stories is just like, what in the fuck is this dude talking about? And I hope, I really do hope that you guys all kind of come in the season in general, man, Toto Americano uh, took up the vast majority. Well, not the vast majority, but the vast minority <laughs> of, of the season was dedicated to Tota Americana, which is, um, I mean, I go into so much depth in it in the last behind the story. I don't want to waste too, too much time talking about it, especially because it's more of a, a retrospective about the season. And, and now that we've talked about ice and alley walking, well, let me, let me, let me get a little bit more into ice and alley walking real quick. Um, before we before we move on, um, outside of the dichotomy between that that episode and quarterly review, um, ice and alley walking, um, it, it's a it's a story that's really close to me because it's it's kind of how I feel on the matter. Um, I I worked as a journalist for a while, and I I told myself I loved it a lot. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't, it's not a bad job and I, I don't regret almost any of the experiences I had while I was working in it. Um, it's just a dying industry and it's kind of dying for not unjustifiable reasons, which people are very, very hesitant to change. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of dumb fucking old men that think they know the, they, they know better just because they're doing something that some other dumb man that they fucking respected did. And then I, well, if he did it and I did it, then I'm doing the right thing. Like, dude, this is a fucking industry that hasn't even been around for like 200 years, maybe. Uh, it, like of those 200 years, it's basically been dying the whole time. <laughs> like, seriously, the newspaper industry has been on a slow decline since the 1920s uh, with the advent of, of popular radio. And it, it's, it's just so fucking adamantly refused to grow up that it, it's it's everything that it's getting it deserves and my heart goes out to everybody working in journalism right now because if you haven't been in that industry it is you wake up every day waiting to get hit in the fucking face with an axe because they do not warn you before they fire you they just lay off like 30 fucking people in in one day and so uh i got in i got involved in that and i put i put my heart and soul into it because i don't fuck around when i have a job even if it's a shitty job like dude i've worked i, I worked installing aftermarket pan uh aftermarket parts in vans uh basically like shelving and like uh you know those like cages have you ever been in a police car and you see the cage that's between the front seat and the back seat like somebody has to install that and that somebody was me although i never put one in a police car i did the same thing for like uh an animal control vehicle and like a few like there's big ones with holes that go through them for like people that that work in like in like as electricians so that the shit in the back, if they crash, doesn't fly up and start beating them to death in the face. And you don't want to get hit with a socket wrench when you're flipping down the highway at 65 miles an hour. But I digress. Uh, that that job was sort of just like wore me out, man. Because it was so miserable. Uh, and, uh, and there was a lot of times where I was like, I, I was caught between doing something I want, like doing something that I knew was 
the right thing to do and doing something that was like the correct thing to do in the circumstance. You know what I mean? And it and it's so close. It's just slight deviations. So like there there was like you know people would get killed, right? And they'd be dead that day. And you know the the real reporters. Uh, a lot of the ones that got to keep their job, they're going out and like knocking on the family's door and stuff like, hey, can I talk to you about this? And like, that's just not me. That's not me at all. Um, because I've, I've, I've seen those families firsthand from the other side being having been in the Marines and knowing people that died in combat where I, I can't I can't think about it. I don't even I don't give a shit if it's some fucking MS-13 gangbanger that got shot to death fucking slinging rock on the corner of fucking 14th and Walnut. Like, I don't want to go to that guy's family because it's still his family and just get in their shit like the day that that dude died. It, it just does not work for me. And so I would, but I, I did have to do stuff like that. Um, although I fought it tooth and nail and I would pretend like, oh, they're not home. No one knocked. Uh, and I just got, uh, I got sick of it. And I, I think it probably affected my work. I could have. And but that was really that was the decision to make is you know try to get harder into that stuff and just do everything that I'm told just do what I'm told to get better at this and like succeed in this job that I'm slowly but surely falling out in love with falling out of love with and that also like that might end at any time I was laid off twice one no once I was laid off once I was fired once um while I was working in journalism and I was just like man I can't fucking do it anymore I can't do it anymore but even it took me a long time even after I lost my last job doing it to just be like dude you do not like doing this stop fucking doing this and then then I started the podcast so I'm here now um and I think there's obviously a lot of parallels between that story and ice and alley walking obviously uh I didn't end up on the streets I I I was I was able to sort of cower in the care of a, a very kind-hearted woman being my f- current fiance uh who will kind of put me together and put me back on my feet but the but the spirit is still there um and that, that's kind of where ice and alley walking comes from and uh there's references the the people the guy's talking about i don't know if he ever explicitly refers to them the the little girl and her her people that he helps out of the city they're called rabbits um it's sort of a pseudo-religious sect um that exists in that time period that he exists in that you'll it's from a story, a whole fucking novel I've already written. So it's uh, um, look out for the novel. If it ever comes out of blood meal is ever released. Um, but, but I'm dump dump lost my train of thought. Um, that, that That's one of the few other tie-ins to other things. Uh, the guy in the boat um, looking at his reflection drowning in the water is another thing. Um, but I, I think that I think that's good for for ice and alley walking. Toto Americana, I went into a lot, and there's so much to it that I don't know if I necessarily need to go back into it again. Um, from Barstow back home is probably man. I think that's like my most the, the most emotional story for me next to Gates of Heaven. Uh, Barstow back home actually made me like I was all I had to take I had to redo the last takes of the last few lines a few times because I got all fucking weepy and I didn't want to I didn't want to sound like I it <laughs> I know people wouldn't care if I sounded like emotional when I was reading it because obviously I'm acting half the time but it doesn't pick up like real human emotion doesn't pick up over the mic the same way that like fake human emotion does when I'm acting um, and so it sounded jarring and I was like, dude, I cannot keep doing this. And I, I had to like <laughs> get myself back together. 
But um, from Barstow back home is a very. It, it, it's also in that same vein. This entire this entire series season kind of is um, a make your choice type season um, with the ghost story um, being the one between them. From Barstow, you know the guy without any any supernatural assistance really. He he exemplifies that sort of invigorating yourself with your passion, uh, even if it's something that he isn't maybe necessarily healthy. I mean, he's technically running away from his problems, but he's also facing them while he's running in a weird way, which I, I liked. Um, I'm a runner of, of not exceptional talent. I can't, I can't go very, very far. I think my farthest run, furthest run I've ever done is like almost six miles. And I was, I was functionally dead, but um, I also weigh like over 250 pounds. Uh, I'm not fat either. I'm just six, four, but man, <laughs> I'm too heavy to be running that far. I'm always out there and there's like tiny little like ladies running too. And they'll just boop and pop by me and they won't even make a sound because they weigh like 120 pounds and they've got like a perfect stride. So just tap and all of a sudden they're just gone. <laughs> I'm back here struggling like a fucking semi truck that hasn't had its air filter re- like cleaned in 15 years. Just sucking wind trying to get uphill. but um. That, that's Barstow back home is is a very similar thing. The great Gimp, who I love, is a character. He's a cool guy, running around on a busted leg. That's actually based on a uh, based on a true story. Uh, weirdly enough, when I was on my first deployment, um, which was my worst deployment, I'm, I'm a combat veteran. If people don't know that about me yet, uh, it's not something I. I feel like I have to say it all the time just to like caveat stories, but it is literally something I almost never bring up. And I don't, I don't really try to, cause I don't want to seem like one of those dickheads that's always trying to get, you know, an extra backpack basically. But, uh, on my first deployment, um, to get in and out of our, our fob, you'd call it a forward operating base, which was, um, fuck, what was it called? Riviera. Um, OP Riviera, which was in Al Sakalawea, Iraq, which dude, I can't spell it. It's there. It's between like Habania and Fallujah somewhere, if I remember correctly, but I didn't go very far out of the base and I wasn't in charge of getting to and from it. So I don't know where the fuck I could find it on a map. But other than that, I don't, I don't really know how to help you geolocate it. Uh, unless you're from the area, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. There was a bridge over MSR mobile. I spent almost all my days on it. Uh, MSR mobile being the main supply route mobile. I think that's what MSR stands for. Um, and to get in and out of the building every day, you had to go through an ECP, an entry checkpoint. And it was basically a, a really long, shitty driveway covered in sandbags on either side. And the gate is just a piece of concertina wire, which is this, if you've ever seen those big rings of wire, they're huge. They're like almost three feet wide. And they've got like tiny little, they look like uh, chainsaw teeth on the side. Not like the big cutting ones. That's razor wire. Just the little tiny ones that get caught in shit. That's concertina wire. And the point of it is actually not to hurt you, although it will, like a motherfucker, <laughs> scratch the shit out of you. Um, but it, the point of it is to catch on stuff and twist up and be impossible to deal with. So if a car tries to drive through there, uh, the concertina wire will actually wrap up inside the axles and stuff and stop it. I, I've seen concertina wire stop a Humvee, like an up-armored Humvee uh, that actually backed up into it. And it totaled it. Um, 
to the point where they had to just they had to literally get a lift to put it up on a on a on a flatbed and take it out of the uh, take it out of the training area. I digress. Um, every day, my job when we went up and down because I was no one likes me. I was one of the most expendable guys. Uh, I had to go get the wire and pull it out of the way and then put it back in the way uh, behind the car. So I would get out with my little gun, run out, pull the wire, look around while I'm standing outside. All the cars would drive past me and then I'd, I'd drag the wire back in place. And it all took like, you know, like five seconds to do. So there was like eight other people that ever did that. And um, the insurgents in the area put a bomb. They wired a bomb to it. Uh, not a particularly huge one, but big enough. Um, and the guy pulled it out of the way. The dude who pulled it out of the way is a guy named Sergeant Santiago. And Santiago lost one leg above the knee and one leg below the knee, if I remember correctly. And it was a big thing. It woke me up. I was asleep in the fob and boom. And, you know, woke us up. I'm like, fuck, what was that? You know, that was like real close. Uh, emergencies, small firefight happened because there's a, a the the what you would call literally the typical post bomb ambush um which is them just, just basically like five 25 year olds holding a fucking machine gun over their head over a wall spray firing while screaming allahu akbar and then they run away like little fucking pansies because that's how insurgents fight um but anyway I would have been two shifts down from that to go through it, but it could have been put on that thing at any given time. It was just, it happened to be for Santiago. Like he rolled, it was literally like a fucking, a D 10 roll. And I was one and he was eight and eight came up and it could have been any of the other numbers too. Uh, but he lost, he lost a leg, you know, two legs basically, uh, or on one whole leg cumulatively. Um, and you know, we didn't see him obviously for the, he got, he got Kazavak, he survived. Um, and then we didn't see him again until we went to, uh, 29 Palms next year. Well, I didn't see him. I didn't know this guy either. Don't, don't, don't let me like pretend like this is a friend of mine or something. You know, he's just a, a coworker basically in a completely different platoon, but a good guy altogether. Uh, he showed up in 29 Palms, California, which is a, a, train exercise in the desert called CACS combined arms exercise and he had fake legs and he was running and he was in great shape he was in arguably like even better shape than he was when he had legs and from what I remember he was joking that he's fucking faster now because he's got like robot springs to run on and everybody was cool I know I didn't like I didn't go talk to him and stuff and like we exchanged pleasantries like you know the dude was way above my pay grade before he was a fucking like a wounded combat veteran. So, you know, it, it, if it sounds like I was having a conversation with this guy, not so much as I was like fourth back in the crowd when Jesus came back from the dead the first time and was like, go ahead, Peter, put your hands in my, put your fingers in my hand holes. <laughs> like it's crazy dude it's like literally seeing a fucking like a living deity on earth it was one of the coolest experiences of my life and it's one of those things that sticks with you because it's so fucking incredible and so you know i don't even know santiago but i mean i guess if anyone ever every anyone ever runs into him santiago from 28 uh that story is kind of like for you dude um and we didn't even know each other so But I, I like the thought of, I, I really like the thought, I love the thought of veterans getting themselves back together through some sort of passion to put themselves, you know, whole again. Because everybody that gets out, man, you got, 
even if you even if you didn't see like combat and shit, dude, the the military itself is such a bizarre structured uh dehumanizing place that going from being in the military to out of the military takes you have to be a person of extraordinary constitution and flexibility to to maneuver that transition well because i know guys that you know they can run 25 miles straight with a fucking 80 pound rucksack on their back you could shoot them in the fucking kneecap and they would climb a mountain but you take them from their six o'clock wake up or five thirty wake up really from their five thirty wake up meal three times a day i know where i'm going to be on monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday i'm off saturday and sunday you take all of that away from them and they're like dude it, it's they just implode like they can't take it it's like pulling up one of those deep sea fish real fast and their eyes pop out of their fucking heads but uh that's like that's the kind of story i wanted to write about that and you get into all that sort of stuff and and again it's you know the make your choice thing he, you know, he could have waddled in misery i kind of go into that very slightly at the end but or you know get, give yourself into pain or give yourself into passion and he gave himself into his passion which is a pain to a degree but for for a good reason you know um to continue uh ghost story another thing like it's weird like I'm, I'm kind of experiencing all this like thematic stuff secondhand don't don't let me don't let me fool you that i planned everything um i think my only real approach to writing is is to try to be honest and if you're honesty if you're honest even when you lie you never have to lie twice <laughs> uh i guess in my fiction i always try to be honest so i always end up writing the same stuff i i, I don't know how to explain that i don't you know, I don't necessarily maybe repeat myself so much as I, I always, I always seem to arrive at the same places because I'm always talking about me really. And, and, and the people I know, the people who are, even if they're not me, that they're, they're so important to me that, uh, that my, my impression of their existence is an indelible part of my soul to say, um, uh, ghost story is another one of those kind of stories where it's a, uh, a guy that's kind of near and dear to my heart to the point where somebody said that he was really irritating. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, Barden, I think. And he is a, uh, a sound designer. And originally that story was going to go in a completely, maybe not completely different direction, but it was, it was for sure not in Paris. um, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the same feel that the that the final story ended up with although i really like i really like where it, where it went um you can't you can't force a story it, it's it's always a bad idea uh to just try to like mathematically cobble together a story start to finish i'm sure maybe there's people out there that can do it i'm pretty that's probably how stephanie meyer writes <laughs> no i'm being mean stephanie you fucking do you um but, uh, yeah, I, I just had to let this one go. Originally, it was only going to be, like, it was going to be short, man. Maybe 6,000 words or so. And it ended up kind of just blossoming into its own whole whole big thing. And I, I, had, a, I had a blast writing it because I just, I love that feel of, like, Paris. Um, worn down, older cities are my shit, dude. I don't, I don't know... It, if you're not the kind of person that like walks into like a, a place where there's a lot of history in the walls and not even important history, just like, man, the dude that built this first off built the shit out of it. 
and second off, died like a hundred years ago at least. Like that, that's that's just the feel of that sort of uh, interaction with with our own our own shared past. It, it I love it, uh, even if I don't always articulate that articulate it that way when I'm walking through it. But I, I like touching walls that other people have maybe just kind of blandly touched while walking. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Paris, um, and uh, ghost story is also sort of I, I, it was actually a, a coin flip between calling it ghost story and love story, uh, and I ended up with ghost story because I wanted to just use that title, and then I'll never have to worry about using it again because everybody has something named ghost story. Straub has a ghost story. Uh, I think Stephen King has something ghost story. I don't know, maybe not. I don't think I've ever. There has to be there has to be a Stephen King title that has ghosts in it, but I it, I can't I can't think of one right now. Um, but a lot of it just because uh, ghosts are so hard to do because they've just been so done that you can't even call something a ghost. And people always say that about uh, zombies in in movies these days, where they're like, "Oh yeah, you never they never say zombie." Think about it this way: you almost never hear fucking ghost. There's always spirits and specters and, 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 and presences and feelings. And oh, sometimes they just say like the person's, the, 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 the ghost's real name. And they're like, she's still here. But they, they really say ghost. I want a good old, I need a, I need a fucking horror story or, or a horror movie. I'm going to fucking, I'll write one. I'll do it. <laughs> Where somebody just gives me a good old fashioned Scooby-Doo. Ghost. <laughs> That's my shit, man. I miss it. Oh, uh, I'm not the one to be talking about how fucking uh, maybe maybe some horror is a little too up its ass these days. I know what I write. I know what I write. Um, but man, I still love that stuff. It's fun. I love I love schlock and I love like good old cut 'em up horror movies. Uh, Ghost Story is absolutely not that. Nobody even dies in the story. No one even gets hurt, um, which I, I actually enjoyed writing. I, I like uh, I, I like kind of getting you there and then going on a different direction because it's it's fun. So many people have written so many things and so much stuff is out there that if you're going to write something that someone else has already written, you know, because it's it's almost impossible not to. Even if you get to a point where you're like, I think somebody would probably do this here, try to do something else. And I, I think that's a lot of what what I did with Ghost Story, and and it turned out pretty good. Um, and per our talk about the uh, the invigorated and the stained, um, the ghost in Ghost Story. Hopefully you've you've, you've listened to it or read it or whatever. Um, is uh, one of the invigorated, not one of the stained. Um, she is uh, what you would call an imago, uh, functionally speaking, a cocoon of a god. Um, very close to the end of an existence that she could probably call her own. And full sublimation, which is basically uh, a, a leaving behind of her own life. Uh, odd, odd that she didn't become stained, but she's not. Uh, if she was, it would have been much more dangerous for Bardem, and this would have been a, com- a completely different story. Uh, stained, even when they're when they're uh, they attempt to be benevolent or uh, aren't inherently malevolent in their own right, um, are radioactive they have the same maybe hatred for people as the chernobyl reactor did but also 
you know, the same effect. <laughs> None and a lot. Uh, from there, we went to uh, The Gates of Heaven, which is a story I really didn't think, I really didn't expect would go over as well as it did. Um, just, I, I, I'm never, I'm never very positive about myself with my writing, uh, as most authors are. And I don't, I don't necessarily need a, a pat on the back. I'll always take one, <laughs> but I, I don't really, I don't really need one. I, I, I irritate my fiance with this stuff enough. I, I, I don't need to bother you guys with it. Um, but I, I functionally speaking, I didn't know how well a, uh, a another ghost story basically. Uh, told from the perspective of a guard at ostensibly, uh, from the sympathetic perspective of ostensibly a guard at a concentration camp, uh, would go over. And and it went over well, and I'm glad people kind of understood it better. Uh, I've never I've never been one to, to really cotton to those ideas that uh, people are inherently evil. It's, it's mind-blowing to me that people think, like, you know, just because you're in some sort of group or something, that that's the reason that you are where you are or doing what you're doing is because you want to do it like and you haven't talked to that person. I mean, sometimes you really can't, you know, that that discussion doesn't get to happen. You don't get to be a fucking G.I. on fucking Omaha Beach asking some Nazi in a fucking machine gun tower like, hey, man, you want to talk it out? No, you, you fucking you shoot each other to death because that's that's the order of the day but i mean when everything's sudden done and and you can actually sit down and talk to someone when you have that that opportunity if you don't take it or if you try to use the excuse of uh you know well they're they're close enough to being bad that they might i might look bad for talking to them then you're 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 not my kind of dude <laughs> so to say uh i always joke there there's one of those things um you were where people ask uh, if you could sit down and have dinner with any three people, who would you, who would those people be and why? And you know everyone always at, gives these stupid fucking sacrifices. You know, I would talk to my grandpa. And I would talk. I literally I would love to have three Hitlers at the table, and I would just ask them which, which one of you is real and see how they get to the answer because that would be fucking crazy. Imagine three identical sociopaths trying to discern which one of them is the real human being. <laughs> so fucking crazy to think about. I just like that thought. I'm probably going to write that as a story someday. Maybe I don't even know how you phrase that, but that's, that's kind of a, an untawdry version of what I'm talking about. What I really mean is though, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not interested in what makes people good because all it's always so self-evident. What makes somebody good, what makes somebody bad is is far more interesting that's what villains are fucking great like i i would hate i i don't want to start writing stories where there's clear good guys quote unquote because they're gonna be fucking boring i like i like really i like human beings i like people <laughs> like like i've never i've never met a single person in my life uh, even some of the most extraordinary ones that would be as exemplary a human being as like fucking gandalf the gray like <laughs> The dude's just perfect. Even his, even his mistakes and stuff are just kind of like tacked on there to the fact that he's functionally speaking, yeah, beard Jesus V two. Like the guy's just great. Uh, the fictional good guy characters and fantasy stories are are and, until this recent sort of shift to the to the grim dark stuff that I've always been seeking out and that only recently people seem to be super interested in. 
if you don't know what Grimdark is, it's kind of just a a nod. Well, it's actually a Warhammer 40,000 reference, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think it, it's actually used uh, non-ironically in the description of something. Like something is called the Grimdark or something is Grimdark. But um, uh, more more colloquially around, around fantasy people, it's the... Uh, the the sort of tongue in cheek way to reference um what we what used to be called low fantasy but now is 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 like the martin esque fantasy as people are kind of starting to try to refer to it as where there's no clear good guys and stuff even though there kind of is and uh you know anyone can die and like uh, women can get like sexually assaulted and and people can be disfigured and maimed and tortured and all kinds of all kinds of nonsense all, all the worst possible things can happen no one's getting sexually assaulted in a fucking Tolkien book. Um, it's grim, dark. It's grim and it's dark. Ah, it's grim, dark. <laughs> fucking just calm down with that sense. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, what I, I just love that stuff, man. Um, Gates of Heaven, man. Uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to just, I really wanted to see inside the head of of somebody that would be there. Uh, and be, you know, people that had to fight on the, the side of like literally the most evil fucking government to ever exist. One of them in world war two, like not all of them were just like, I fucking, I'm, I'm, you know, the prototypical evil guy. Some of them are just like, what the fuck else am I going to do? They're shooting people in the streets. And some of them were already in the military. Like there's a lot of guys that were already in the military and you can't desert during wartime. You just get shot. So it's like, do you want to die or do you want to go fight Americans? And maybe they didn't really have an understanding of really like the impact of what was going on back there. And even if they, if they did, then, you know, fuck them. But I like to think of somebody that has to face that after thinking they were doing the right thing is, is much more interesting to me than just like, Hey, go fight for your country now actually no that is that's interesting too but this is the character all right the character was uh, a person of of dubious morality fighting for a a country of, of very clearly immoral people and then his attempting to live with himself after the end of it uh and and, and establishing the terms under which he is living with himself which i, I think is more of a a much greater thing that a lot of veterans can understand um, when you when you have to think back on you know the collective implications of what happened versus the the individual implications. And it's much it's a much more it, somebody on Twitter would probably try to be like, well, if it's a fucking Nazi, you punch it, and then you was that's it. Like eh, it's a little harder than that. You can't really kill an ideal by uh, an idea by hitting it. That was the that was actually our greatest victory over the Nazis was was finding out that certain ideals can't be can't be destroyed through through violence and threats. <laughs> Weirdly enough, uh, the brown shirts never win. So don't be a brown shirt, Antifa, you goofballs. But um, anyway, uh, that, that, that's that's pretty much that's that's the gates of heaven, and that's that's the the season in general, man. I uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed it like I, I really do and um and that's it guys uh thanks a bunch everybody that listened throughout the season if you if you've if you made it through an hour and 20 some odd minutes of this so far me rambling i hope you enjoyed it it's 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 really stunning how much i can talk isn't it my my jaw hurts 
I always get to the end of one of these and I'm like, yeah, I've been I've been laughing at my own jokes and just rambling for an hour and 20 minutes. But I guess that's I guess that's what, you know, the minimum is required when when you're an author, because I, I can do this with words to typing. And if, if I couldn't, I wouldn't have a job. I would be a guy that's talking about doing it instead of doing it. And you don't want to be one of those kind of people. On uh, on that note, everybody, we are the, the plans for the summer are there is going to be a horror and lit club episode next Friday. Um, early release for any of you guys out there using our patron or Patreon. I'm sorry. I, I ate Chinese food before this and now I've got hiccups. It's 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 the worst. But uh, we we have. um. We have a lot of great stuff on our Patreon. You should check it out. Patreon.com slash Westside Fairy Tales. You can actually follow it. I really recently found out if you want to know stuff. There's occasional free things that I post on there too. So if you go over to Patreon.com slash Westside Fairy Tales and just subscribe to it with a uh, a Patreon Patreon account, which costs nothing to make. It's just like any other thing. You can still follow along. You can comment on all the free stuff. Um, if you want to leave comments on... The monthly episodes, the monthly episodes are usually uploaded on there and then become free a short way down the line and you can talk on there to me. You can keep an eye out for when stuff works and how often that we we put stuff out. If you're if you're thinking about joining and you're gun shy and then you can just kind of kind of see how often I put stuff out. If you do join the Patreon at five dollars a month, you get access to these behind the story episodes, which are I think they're entertaining. Um, otherwise I wouldn't put them out and I, I think they're a little informative too. And as we get deeper into the seasons, this is, uh, how I'm going to explain some of the lore that, that goes along with a lot of these episodes to, to which there, there is a, there is a ton of lore, uh, <laughs> in this, uh, that's not even, I, I think some other people might think that's braggadocious, but that's really just me lamenting on how much crap I put in that I've got to remember because I, I might always just have everything in the West side fairy tales universe and I don't want to lose track of it. I'm going to go insane one day. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to go senile and then I'm not going to know where anything is. People are going to be asking me questions. I'm like, that sounds interesting. Who wrote it? And they're like, you did. And I'm like, ah, I don't remember. (laughs) Um, but more on the Patreon. If you, if you put in $10 or more, you get, uh, one of our merch packs sent to you, which has got a sticker and a bookmark. They're pretty cool. And also once we get the t-shirt stores, stuff up running we're we're gonna be sending out coupon codes for every item that we put out to save you money on the store basically at every level um so like if you're if you're a one dollar person you'll get you know a little bit off if you're a twenty dollar person you get a lot off uh twenty dollar people right now they get pdfs of the story sent to them uh everybody that's ten dollars and up gets early access to what we call raw versions of the show. And uh, that's just basically the the normal show that you hear once a month, but without the intro and outro, any ads, any music, it's just literally the story straightforward. People, people in $20 or more, I'm coughing because I'm out of fucking, I'm out of, I'm out of fluid in my throat. I've been talking for an hour and 23 minutes now. Uh, people at $20 and more, uh, you will get, access to monthly pdf layouts of the story that work just like a just like a an ebook and you can download them off of uh patreon and put them right on your phone if you have like the kindle app and you can just read them in kindle um they come complete with artwork from the episodes and and they're great and at the 50 dollar level and higher uh you get one 
uh, fully printed out, signed on paper story from the season you can pick, actually from any season, and then you get another story every year after that. Uh, and actually, we're probably going to be increasing that to do that monthly. I call it like the monthly book club or something. But I don't know. That'll happen later in the summer. Um, the other things that are happening in the summer, tune back in in August, I think-ish for a mini-sode. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be putting it out because I, I think I've already sold an ad on it. So <laughs> definitely in August. Um, that would be mid-August. Uh, Horn Lake Clubs are still going to be coming up. And the first story is going to be, I think, October 4th, the first Friday in October, uh, join us for the first story of season four. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Uh, the Umbrella Man, which takes place in Charleston, West Virginia. It's about a uh, a wonderful young person, and that f- the group of friends that's around them are more like my group of friends in high school. I don't know how all these kids and all these 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 kids on bike horror stories all like each other. We fucking hated each other when I was in school. We we banded together because we were the only four people that liked fucking anime. <laughs> but other than that, man, if you guys want to talk to me, if you want to make fun of me for how much I, I, I awkwardly laugh at my own jokes or how in, in, unable I am to stay on topic when I talk, uh, join our, our Facebook group, Westside Fairy Tales on Facebook um, or the the actual that's our page or the actual group group the west side fairy tales horror and lit club which is you know a few hundred members strong and growing if you like talking about horror and lit and other creepy stuff that's a great place to come hang out you can make fun of me if you want i don't care um and i'm also on twitter if you like twitter at ws fairy tales i'm on instagram west side fairy tales i put up pictures of uh the delicious vegetarian food that i make and my rabbits and uh creepy shit i see around my 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 current hometown of of louisville kentucky uh which may or may not include um uh, mitch mcconnell memes because they're just literally stickers on the street at this point um and that's it everybody uh, i'm glad you guys all tuned in i hope you enjoyed this uh behind the story behind the season retrospective and until next time as always stay safe out there Westside Fairy Tales is written, read, scored, and produced by Tyler Bell. Episode by <laughs> Episode artwork by Yui Breedlove. Copyright 2019 WSF Productions LLC. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. 
Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.